Welcome to B2B Podcast Story. Our guest today is Mike Richards. Mike is the host of the Treasury Career Corner and CEO of the Treasury Recruitment Company. Mike started his podcast five years ago. With almost 300 episodes of the bank, he certainly knows how to have podcasting, treasury, and recruiting, which oddly lends itself really nicely to the storytelling aspect of podcasting. Today, Mike takes us through how his podcast has made his company £1 million in revenue, the value-oriented mindset podcasters need to have when they're starting their B2B podcast, what having and growing a podcast in a niche such as treasury is like, and much more. Before we begin, please remember to subscribe to the show on your podcast application, wherever you're listening to that right now, and make sure you get notifications when we publish, and when we have some big guests coming on like we do in the next few weeks, you don't want to miss out. So without further ado, here's Mike. Do you have anything about like not, because sometimes I think you don't want to share with your clients that you're using your podcast to get into the door with them. Do you have anything against that? Do you mind talking about that at all? I think people have asked me, what's the word? Treasurers, I, I don't do it as uh, to just necessarily get work. There were, you know, I don't call, you know, I don't have a podcast with someone. I have podcasts with people because I find them interesting. If at a later stage they think we understand their business and know them that much more, because I do, and actually I inherently find it actually interesting to talk to them, and they then want to use us, we then often use, you know, so I reached out to a US client last night and I know she's recruiting and I know we probably can't get on her recruiters list, which is fine. But the point is, you know, if she could then use the podcast and people then understand what she does or new potential employees at junior levels want to come and join her, then great. Because then it's a great introduction for them. She's not necessarily getting, they're a global company. They're like, oh no, you're too small for us to use. You know, we just, we don't want to get you on the preferred supplier list because you just do treasury. That's fine. I find it uniquely interesting what she does as a treasurer. So like orienting it, maybe not as a a foot in the door directly, but it's such a networking enabler that then you have the right contacts and the right stories to tell in order to get the people as clients or potential testimonials and referrals thanks to the podcast. It's like you, you, when you say it's a networking thing, it's not because I want to do it deliberately for networking. You know, I've already got a network. You know, the network already exists. I know the people. It's more that they don't network sometimes very well themselves. I'm saying to them, look, you need to get out there and tell people what Treasury is about. And that's where it started off by, I will say, I was going to do 10 episodes, 290 plus, we're approaching 300. It's, it's actually bringing to life their stories. So when I started it, I thought about doing a recruitment podcast. I thought, crumbs, I talk recruitment all day long. If I did five or six of those, and this was way back when, when podcasts weren't really a thing, and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do recruitment as a podcast. It's not something, I, yes, I can talk to my mates about recruitment, but there's a limited shelf life with that. And you know, if I'm going to talk to recruiters all the time, I don't recruit recruiters. I recruit treasury professionals. I love talking to treasury professionals. I think what they do is inherently interesting. People ask me, what does a treasurer do? Easiest thing. There are three major reports to a CFO. So you've got the, the financial controller, looks at today's money and backwards. You've got tax person, moves money left and right, saves the cash. And then you've got the treasurer. And they do all the interesting stuff, which is today's money and the future. And you guys know this, you do your own podcast. And it's, it's incredible. Treasury is the lifeblood of a company. And it means that Right, we want to go and buy that company. Right, go to Treasury. Oh, where's our cash management? Go to Treasury. Oh, what about our foreign exchange risks? Everything's happening, political events. Go to Treasury. Everyone keeps going to Treasury, and it was before we did the podcast, very little known sometimes. You know, back in the day, 15, 20 years ago, when I started in Treasury recruitment, Treasury sometimes was put in a corner. No one puts baby in a corner. We know this. That's a dirty dancing reference for anyone. Remember that. But anyway, um, more than that, you know, that's what I discovered. And a lot of treasurers at the time, they were like, oh, look at us, we're specialists. And they were like, oh, we get a pay rise for this. We we get enhanced salary, which was great for a while. And then they were like, yeah, but people don't talk to treasury. There's push the money to them, look after it, thanks very much. And we're going with the rest of the business. You know, that's one of the key things that people were turning away. Oh, let's do the rest of the business over here. 
no, actually treasury is at the heart of the business now. And now I'm recruiting treasurers. And I was just talking to a treasurer this morning and he was saying that he's after looking for his next move. Maybe he's not rushing to leave. But what he was looking for was not just the next treasurer job. He wants a more interesting treasury role. So it's treasury plus. And I talked to him about it being treasury plus. And what treasury plus is, treasury, uh, I was talking to Todd Yoda a while ago, a uh, great podcast guest, recently moved to a CFO role. I know that when he was talking to people, he said, look, I do treasury as part of my job. And they were like, no, no, your job is the treasury. No, I actually do treasury. And then they do lots of other things besides. You know, he had a couple of really great heads of treasury. And he said, look, I get involved in supply chain finance, get involved in risk, I get involved with tax, I get involved with it. So he was doing all the other things. In a way, slightly more a deputy CFO type role, he's now gone off and become a CFO. And he's an amazing guy. And my podcast actually helped him. I thought he was always podcast before me. I thought he was a really great guest on mine. He then said to me, actually, people are knocking on my door. I was like, yeah, well, they were doing that before, right? They were approaching you to be a speaker. He was like, no. So I helped him develop a personal brand, which was quite weird. I went, no, hang on. Everyone was coming to you before, surely. And he was like, no, no, they weren't. They, they said, your podcast. And he then has been keynote speaker at a number of conferences. He's a great, interesting guy. And, and it's helped him with his career. That wasn't the intention of the, the podcast. The podcast was to bring to life the stories of my clients. And I've done it. And, you know, hundred approaching, well, we're over 130,000 downloads, 135 beckons. And, you know, some people get millions. You know, I said to you guys earlier, there's uh, a guy that inspired me to do it, Chris Ducker. He's at 9 million downloads. Yeah, one day. We'll get there one day, about 30 years' time. But the fact is now we put out our podcast each week. We get immediately 200 downloads plus, uh, which means we've got 200 plus subscribers. But unfortunately, some of the platforms like iTunes and things don't give you immediate. They never have. Yeah, we're too small for them. Sorry, very long answer. Short question. No, super interesting. And Sorry. there's so much to unpack there because you're, you're in a niche, right? Treasury is a very niche podcast, Mike. Like... So typically, like some people might think, why would I even start talking, start a podcast in treasury? It's never going to grow because there's always a cap because how many people are actually interested in treasury, right? As opposed to finance or anything like this. Do you think the the size of the market really matters when you're starting a podcast? And why not? You know, I said to you guys, as a niche podcast, we're never going to be, we're never going to be like those big podcasters out there and have millions and millions of downloads. That's just not going to happen. Uh, but what we can do is we put out our podcast each week. I get two, 250 downloads straight away. So that means we've got 250 people immediately listening to it. If I was to have 250 people in an audience that I was able to speak to straight away every week that they were listening to me on their way to work, mm, yeah, I'll take that. And in actual fact, you know, each episode now gets five, 600 downloads. Five, six hundred people listen to my voice talking to an amazing treasurer and they go, actually, you know, this is the guy to go to for treasury recruitment advice. That, that I, that's why I'm giving my teeth for. I also, um, when I was in the early days of the podcast, I was about, I think we were about episode 40 or 50, uh, one of, a global multinational petrochemicals company. Uh, I will tell it to you off air if you, anyone is interested. But I got a call from an HR guy from America. Hi, is that Mr. Treasury? I was like, uh, yeah, my treasury recruitment, yeah. Well, you know, and I was like thinking it was a sales call, a very poor sales call. Oh, you just know all the treasurers, right? Yeah, yes, I do. What do you want? And the next thing he said, he said, actually, we're looking for um, uh, someone to help us recruit an entire treasury team. Is there something you can help us with? I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, I think I'll introduce, he was a junior HR guy. Then got interviewed, introduced to the global head of HR. That grew and it rolled on, rolled on for sort of, actually for about six months, I, I suppose. And then I was having calls with these global guys. And then suddenly they said, right, we want to retain you to recruit four members of our team globally. Okay, I could do that. And until the actual retained money came in the bank, I still wasn't sure it was going to be real. And then suddenly it was. But, oh, crumbs. Wow. Okay, in a few other words. 
this is happening. I'm actually recruiting an entire treasury team for this global multinational corporate. Wow. Okay. And, and it was great. And actually enrolled it. That was pre COVID. And I've got to say that really helped us through COVID. I recruited the global treasurer, one of the biggest roles I've ever recruited in my life. As a result of that first phone call from someone having heard me on a podcast going, this guy talks to treasurers. So the insight, like you don't have to have millions of downloads. And if you put it into context of like, if I just had a hundred people listening to me every week, like if you actually think about what a hundred is, a hundred is a lot of people. And but we, I think are accustomed to, oh, YouTube in the millions of downloads. If it's not got thousands and thousands of downloads, it's not really gone viral and it's not worth it. But even if you just had a hundred people standing in front of you, listening to you, you'd be, you'd be pretty uh, nervous on that stage. Sam, let me jump in there. And uh, I remember, I can't remember who it was. Well, I know that Chris Ducker has said it before and a few other podcast hosts and a few other people. Once you become a podcast host, and Touchwood have become a pretty good one over the years, five years now, over five years, we have a responsibility. And we were just having a chat with the guys off air about their microphones. And we're doing, do, oh, which ones you've got? What you we have a responsibility to our listeners to give them the best experience. You've been working on the sound quality. We've got headphones on. You've got podcast deck here. One of the reasons, when you're actually the listener, and I know this as well, that actually, I don't know what if you know what these are, these little things. You might, you might have seen them a little bit, little known company called Apple. But you see this, and we take this, and I put it in. I'll take this off for a sec. Boom. In it goes. And then the distance between this and your brain Obviously, there's nothing in there, but anyway, I'll take it back out. Now, funny thing is, we have a responsibility because they get, you know, if you're a podcast listener, I've heard it and there's someone who has poor sound quality or isn't listening to the interviewer. Um, in particular, I had an example of that. I saw someone doing a keynote speech in America and it was the, and the host seemed to spend more time talking than the guest. And that's one of the things that, you know, another thing that was about, but the fact is we have an obligation to our listeners that we want to give them the best experience. And whether it's one person in you're talking to or 10 people or a hundred or two, 2000, you know, could be the millions one day. Um, but the fact is make it the best experience you can. And that's why I know you guys do great stuff with your editing and you're really careful, but you know, let's get it right. First of all, that's why again, I showed the guys here that I've got foam around here. Well, I've, you know, I've done the podcast now. I listened back to some more. I can't believe some early podcasts. Terrible. Sound quality was okay-ish. We got that much better. But then, as the flip side of this, and just to give a nice little gap here for you for editing purposes, the other key thing that you need to remember about podcasting is you shutting up. If you're a podcast host, you need to ask a question just like I said uh, about this, I saw this keynote speech, and it, it seemed like the host was doing more questions. You know, it was a question upon a question upon a question to this this incredible guest. I won't say who, but the fact was, I will. I was wanting to shout out in the audience, let him answer it, let him answer your question. And if I listen back to some of my early podcasts, I, I you know, I would ask a question, I get excited, I say, oh, "What about this?" And oh, yeah, that. What about this? no? Now, so. You know, each and every week, I host a person on my podcast to talk about where they started their treasury career, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. That's right. I've said that 300 times. But from there, I asked them a question. Tell us about your early career story. And that's it. Just let them speak. These guests are a guest for a reason. It's not your show. It's theirs. That's your, that's your that's your magic, if you like. The better interviewer, two ears, one mouth. Do the same proportion when you're an interviewer on a podcast, if not even less. I sometimes, I think, probably do 20% of the talking on a podcast. That's correct. Do less than less than a third if you can. Unlike now, you know, ask a question and then shut up. You're doing a good job of it. You guys are all right. You could. Two things that you mentioned here, Mike, um, that's a particular note. Um, the first one is... 
you produce such good quality over a long period of time with the podcast that people start to know you in the industry. And we can talk about inbound marketing strategy here because you basically put content out there that make you renowned for something very specific, but then people reach out to you directly because of that very specific knowledge you've developed. Something is that you said earlier in the show is that you helped a guest on your show to develop his own personal branding that then got him into speaking events and so on. What does it say about you when you have a podcast in an industry and you enable your guests to grow thanks to your podcast? Like what's the effect of that for them, but also for you in the industry? Not only are you enabling your own personal brand and business, but also the people that come on your show. How powerful is that? It's insane. It's insane. It's like, it's, it's, it's a byproduct that I never thought about. I didn't actually think this would happen like that. I thought initially I set out to bring treasurer's stories to life and they've taken on their own life for their own. We've grown it and grown it. I joked with you guys, I wanted to go and see a gig a few years ago in Luxembourg, watch Walking on Cars, amazing band, I'd seen them in Chicago. They were doing a gig in Luxembourg. I thought, right, I could go to Luxembourg. I could interview some treasurers. And I thought, oh, maybe what I could do is maybe go and interview them in their offices. I thought, actually, why can't I interview them on stage? Oh, that'd be quite cool. And people were starting to do some of the roadshow events, you see, and things. And I had my idea for a roadshow. Why don't I do Treasury Career Corner Live, my first event, which we did in Luxembourg. It was insane. I had Winky Choi from Amazon. I had Aparam, I had Johan Claudeau from Blackstone Real Estate. They were my first three guests. They were a very, uh, and Benoit Schultzatzen from Aparam. Lovely guys, a great audience, a great guest rather, great audience, massive audience. And I just talked to them about their careers for an hour. And then after the gig, they were, oh, are you going to come networking? No, I went off. I went, I went to a band. I was, it was great. And then I thought, this has got some life to it. This can carry on. And now we have our roadshow. When I've done Treasury Career Corner Live uh, in, well, across Europe. We've also done it in the UK two or three times. We've got another event coming up soon. And I said to you guys before the first event we ran, we struggled over the course of six or seven weeks to get maybe 100 people. And then we ended up with an audience of about 120. It was amazing. Great event with Herbert Smith. That was lovely. And then this time, my colleague sent out, Craig, he sent out the email and within overnight, or within two days, he had 100 people say, yes, please, we want to come back. What? We, because also we did it for content purposes. We did it for the audience. We don't do it for ourselves. We don't do it, oh, give us your treasury jobs, give us this. We want, if we give out that value, then it comes back. You know, people now call us because we're the industry experts. We lead the industry. I noticed some of my rivals there was a, one of my rival recruiters. I noticed the other day, they put on an event with two treasurers and, oh, we're doing this. And I thought, do you know what? Oh, I can, oh, what? what? I think, hang on. We've led this and people are starting to copy. That's fine. But the great thing is, copy this, guys. I was with a client in New York. Uh, he's got amazing offices. And in 2024, I can announce this live on, here we go. Uh, I was there with Chris, really good friend of mine had who serves me terrible coffee gotta say his coffee was most worst coffee. you go to new york for good coffee not in his office believe me but we were laughing and joking about that and i said oh do you know why i told him about the treasure career called alive and just as an aside i said i should do it here and i was saying oh i should do it here in in america they would know you can do it here so actually we are in 2024 taking treasury career called alive to the u.s we're looking at doing an event in Chicago. Then we're going to follow up with a Treasury Career Corner Live in New York. In Chris's offices, because he took me to his offices, they'd look down on Times Square. It's insane. And we're going to have, he said, he took me to his conference room. 70, 80 people we can get in there. And we're going to do Treasury Career Corner Live. We may even tell it, we may even live stream it. Not quite sure yet if we can get it, the technicals. But if not, we'll record it. We'll share it with everyone. Treasury Career Corner Live in New York. Not bad, eh? Interviewing two or three treasurers about their treasure careers, sharing their stories with you, uh, our audience. Um, and yeah, and that's where the, this is where the, a podcast where we talk to some treasurers. That's gone. Are we invited to the New York Times Square view? Uh. 
<laughs> I've tried. No, no, you, 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 guys, you guys do too good a job where you are. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be treasures only. Sorry, um, you, you're, you're a treasury professional, so maybe I don't know. I'll, I'll let you in yet. We won't take it to heart. It's all right. So, I mean, Mark, what I'm blaming from this is this, right? You're saying that you shouldn't just go into a corporate podcast to sell, 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 right? As much as maybe you say, okay, I want to advertise. I want my business out there and everything like that. What you want is to be known as the person that is an expert in the field. And the way that you do that is by providing value after value after value to your audience. And that starts from, you know, the audio quality that you put into it, the video quality, if that's what you're doing as well. The quality of the conversations, meaning people come onto that show to listen to that guest. They don't come on to listen to Mike Richards, right? Uh, but Mike Richards having interviewed that many people makes Mike Richard an expert and a well-known person in the field, right? And just because of that, because you're consistently delivering value, business comes to you. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to go and do anything about it. But you also did that over five years. Like, there's an element of consistency here as well, right? You, 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 like, I'm guessing that didn't happen in the first episode or in the first 10 episodes. Or you said maybe episode 40, you went out and... So there's a really good stat, which is 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode 3. And of the 10% that do, 90% don't make it past episode 20. So being the top 1% of podcasts, you just need to publish 21 episodes. And the reason for that is just because it's hard because you're not getting a return on investment on those first 20 episodes. You don't even get that many downloads. I mean, we have clients that in the first 20 episodes, maybe they cross a thousand total downloads, right? And then like they're approaching 2000, but then, you know, there just comes a trigger point where all of a sudden you get that first referral, you get into a call with that first person. And then all of a sudden those first 20 episodes pay out. But you need to put in the consistent work. What was that for you? Like, what was that experience like in the first 20? What was your mindset going through that? I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it in that that in the context of let's get the downloads. I did start to get the vanity metrics I said earlier and another part of it that, you know, I was like, oh, look, we got, we got to 10. Oh, we got to 20. Oh, we got to 100. You know, and I was thinking, wow, this is it. And I'd heard those, some of those metrics, you know, I didn't hear them as, as blatantly as that. I'm not sure I would have kept going, but now I know them. I know that the differences made to our business and all the other things we've done. Um, I didn't do the podcast just for the podcast. If you like, we are the treasury recruitment company. We've been in existence for 20 plus years, 21 years now. Uh, I love talking to my clients. I love talking to my candidates. I love serving my community and what's that's that's not about an altruistic serving of my community and you know doing it for free we get paid for placing treasury professionals into jobs but the fact is over the years we've done things we have a global treasury salary survey as over 1200 people we don't get paid for it we may look at sponsorship if people are thinking about it please give us a call but the fact is we produce this on a quarterly basis and we do it because then when people come to us and say, well, what is our salary on this? You say, well, actually, it's this. And the people say, well, I don't think it is. They say, well, hang on, 75 people tell us the, the average is this and you want to pay below the average? And where does this link into the podcast? The, the key thing is you become an expert in your field. And it's not, you know, it links into our ecosystem, if you like. And podcasting is the major part of that now. But it, it's part of the spinning wheels. One of these cogs, the Treasury Career Corner Live, you know, Treasury Career Corner Podcast, TreasurySalarySurvey.com. Go there and do benchmark your salary. Uh, send us your resume. We're just about to relaunch our website. We do lots of different things. We've got our, our Treasury YouTube channel, Treasury TV, where we video our conferences. But the great thing is the podcast is probably right at the center of all of those things. I've recently spoken, I spent, said to you guys at the Chicago Treasurer's Conference, we've recorded a lot of the audio from that. That will be repurposed into a really great podcast where I interview two other treasurers and I gave this panel session. We talked about remote working. What incredible content. Well, that's what people are asking us day to day. And what we can do from the podcast, it becomes, oh, a piece of this. And then someone said, well, can you give us some advice? Oh, actually, we need to recruit someone. Wow, okay. I didn't start out with that. If you start out with it, 
you know, just, oh, let's get some money out of this. Don't, don't bother. It's, it's a lot of work to just get a bit of cash out of it. Um, you know, it's, you know, if you think if you can serve your community, you know, constantly, consistently, and I'm going to come back to actually Chris Ducker, you know, with his youpreneur, he talks about serving his community and he's grown his business out of that. And, you know, he was a mentor to me for a period of time. Great guy, still keep in contact with him. That's what you look to do. The more that you serve, the more that you get back. And yeah, you sometimes it is hard work. Doing the podcast isn't easy. And Carly, who helps me on it and now and does a great job. And we used to use uh, other podcast companies and they really helped us. Um, you know, the fact is we do a lot of it now in-house, but we've also done some stuff with you guys and you've helped us do it. Um, and we continue to develop it. Love, uh, lot, lot of things to unpack here, Mike. Um, love different mentions you made. The ecosystem, the community, the starting the podcast and the reason why to. In the ecosystem part, the thing I love and that you pointed out quite well, and that's something we noticed our, as well with our podcast, which is when you go into a one-to-one -one recording with a thought leader in your industry or somebody well-known, you end up having unique content that has never been seen before anywhere else because it's you giving a voice to your guests, but with your own tone. And that's so powerful because as you said, you transform it into a community. You transform it into an article that you can post on your, on your blog section, on your website. You can transform it into shorts, into social media posts, just with one recording of an episode, let alone 300 recordings after five years. That's so powerful. How do you, how do you create a community or how have you built a community with your podcast? Can you break that down for us? It builds itself. You know, that's the key thing. It, it, you know, it, it's self-building. It's a sort of, that was by, again, giving this value. You know, our first ever guest, Sarah Jane Hall, global treasurer of GSK. Yeah, great name. You know, some, a lady I'd known for many years throughout my recruitment career. Um, she came on it. It was quite funny when she took we took ages to get that first one approved. Uh, and that's one of the key things I would say with, with that is that she then got their PR department to check it. And the HR lady stroke communications lady came back to her afterwards and said, we have no changes because it's more about, again, our podcast isn't about the companies. You make it about the companies, you, that's going to make it really tough. We make it about the subject, about the clients themselves and everything else and talk to them about their lives, how they develop their careers, as I did with Sarah Jane at the time. The, the feedback was, wow, Treasury's really interesting, Sarah Jane. She's like, yeah, that's why I've done it. You've done it 20 plus years. And they, they were like, Wow, we don't have any change. We, oh, yeah. If I'd known this earlier, I might have gone into a career in Treasury. That's what we did. And all I thought is let's bring those stories to life. And, you know, talking about the building of it, one became 10 episodes, became 50. We're approaching 300. I never thought we'd get to the 300. I didn't, that wasn't the intention. I think if I'd created that intention of how do we sell to people, how do we sell? It wasn't done with that. I think if, if your purpose is just to sell to people and just to create content, I'm not sure podcasting is always the right way to go. I think there are maybe it's can be part of that ecosystem. We what I would say is that podcasting is fantastic fun. It's actually yes, it's hard work, but the fact is, again, if I go back to my personal journey, I thought I was a really good recruiter about five years ago. Maybe I was. You know, uh, now, 300 podcasts later, I'm an even better recruiter. I actually understand my clients' pain. I've discussed with them, and that's why a lot of the time I get some of them. Um, I'll give a, uh, actually a story here. I was talking to Wolfgang from Porsche a number of years ago, the global treasurer there. He's going to be potentially our 300th guest uh, when we revisit it. They floated on the stock exchange. Number of you know, we brought up his story to life. Uh, we, he was back at episode one eighty. Now he's going to be episode three hundred. So his story's moved on, and that's fantastic. But when I first ever spoke to him, we were talking, and then we talked about his career, brought up to date with where he was, and then he said, oh, "I'll come back to you in a couple of months." And after three or four months, I got this phone call. He had been doing some work on structuring of the team and everything else. He said, "Right, I need. We need to recruit some people." 
I was like, oh, okay. Oh, well, well, good luck. You know, what advice? Oh, no, actually, no, you need to recruit them for me. I was like, what? Really? I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. Um, and actually, you know, I said this to you guys earlier before the show that we then use the podcast to actually brief candidates. We've used it when we put it out to things that we've said to them, listen to this podcast. It tells you the story. It also tells you about the culture. It's half an hour. They can listen to it, you know, on their way to work in their current job and go, actually, I want to drive somewhere else. I'm going to go to that job. I want to work for that company. And it's, it's a way of selling, social selling, if you like, that actually those guys just love it. And, you know, since then, we've recruited five, six people for Porsche and they become a big client of ours. But it wasn't done with that intentionality. It was done because I, I think Wolfgang is an amazing guy, and he is. And I love his story, and I love how they've grown and developed as a treasury team. And we've been part of that now. We've become part of their ecosystem. Mike, you're like, you're like that as a person in general. And Guillaume and I talk about this a lot. You go into every interaction that you do just thinking, well, what can we do together? Like, even if it doesn't pay you out directly, even if it doesn't, give you an immediate return investment. I think maybe just being in the recruiting space, maybe it's because of that and, and or maybe it's just your natural personality. You really enjoy just making movements around you, right? You really enjoy just like getting into things with people, doing stuff together, giving people value. How can I help this person here? How can I put that person in touch with that person? Just connecting people again and again and again to very little benefit to yourself a lot of the time. But then I guess it puts you in the center of, and it puts you first of mind. And we definitely, I mean, you're our first guest on this episode, right? Because you were first in mind when we said, well, who would be able to help us? And we said, well, Mike, Mike's helpful. Mike always does that, right? So, and you were like, yes, definitely. And we got you in uh, very, very quickly. I guess podcasting fits into that really, really well as well, right? Because you don't get the immediate return investment. You don't get the immediate like payout of oh, that first person that you get onto your podcast eventually becomes a client. Um, it doesn't necessarily happen, but just creating that movement around you, getting in conversations and everything like that is, is super beneficial. Would you recommend a podcast to every recruiter out there in all the different niches? Or do you think it it's it only works for some and not to others? Like I think I think it goes back more fundamentally to what's your ethos. I was asked on I was interviewed and I find it weird being interviewed. I don't mind chatting to you guys, go to your friends and everything else. I still find it difficult to be interviewed now. I've become a better podcaster because I've trained myself to ask a question and then shut up. What are you doing in there? They go, it's like, shut up and let them. Because, you know, people, you know, I've had it before where people on the podcast on Baelish, lovely, ages ago said, oh, do we want a bit more mic? So we'll say, so, well, you've got value to give yourself. I said, yeah, but it's not my podcast, my guest. Yeah, we'll do a few more. And we've done some feature episodes. I was interviewed by the ladies at Supervast Recruitment, Denise, uh, amazing interviewer. Found it quite difficult being interviewed because I've trained myself to, you know, ask a question, shut up. And she's the other side of it saying, and I would keep on going, I ask the questions, lady. You know, it's like, I've just used it. Anyway, she was asking me these questions. And my 23 year old daughter, when she was uh, about eight or nine, something like that, said, Dad, what do you do for a job? And, you know, she was being asked for this in uh, primary school. And I was like, well, I place treasurers into global multinational corporates of, you know, a FTSE 100, Fortune 500, and everything else. And my eight-year-old daughter's going, okay, so what do you do again? And I'm like, okay. All right, so let's, let's bring this down. And eventually, my ethos was I help people get jobs. You know, so, you know that's what we do, essentially. And... You know, when you then think about what's your ethos, what are your goals as a recruiter, and it comes back to this, and you, you know, it's very kind of you guys. I wanted to help you guys before because you know, pay it forward, and it's an American phrase and stuff. But if you pay it forward, it's like compound interesting and stuff like that. It's like it, the more you invest in it, the more return you'll get later. But don't do it just. Oh, what if I do this for them? This is what they'll give back. I don't give up stuff, as it were, and a few other words. What I do give is that the more that you can help, the more that comes back. I was approached by a US client, actually, uh, about recruiting a salesperson for them. And, you know, I put together a proposal. It's going back back and forth, back and forth. And then not got put on hold. He's still trying to work out 
And then I saw someone that was actually between roles who I thought might be a good match for their business. And I introduced them and actually met them recently for breakfast in the US, in San Diego. And it might be that they move forward with that person. Now, there is, I might not, I'm probably not going to get a fee out of it. That's not why I'm doing it forward. But if I actually help them, there may be something at a later stage they might want help with. And it may be they sponsor the podcast. Maybe they sponsor this. Maybe they, I'm not doing it because of that. You know, if I invest in that person, if I help him and his business, he's going to remember I've helped him. I've not done it just for the cash. I don't mind the cash. I've got pins of these shoes leaving there. Don't stop growing. Um, so I do have to, you know, build the pay. But the fact is, if you do it, you know, in this different way, if you, you know, that's what, do that with the recruitment as well. You know, if we get a candidate that comes to us from banking and things, we don't recruit banking roles. But the fact is, if we can help someone, we then we'll find out, tell them three other recruiters, two or three other recruiters that do recruit banking roles that can help their treasury careers. Then they'll remember you. And that comes back with the podcasting as well, right? If you give people a platform to grow their personal brand with nothing expected in return, but you are helping all the people that come on your show to either launch the personal brand or because a lot of people don't have it, or even just to enhance their personal brand, then who knows what's a good karma out of that in the end, essentially. And maybe it's one in every 10 and maybe it's one in every 20 that she pays back. But um, I like that you're thinking not about what you can get back, but what you can do and just expect that if I do enough of that, the universe will return. Also, I jump in and there's something I, I just looked at some of my notes here. By doing the podcast by, you know, we had the salary survey. It was great in the past. It got me a couple of sessions at a couple of conferences. Or oh, could you speak about your salary survey? And I did. I did a terrible speech in Paris back in 2003. Still scarred to this day. I remember exactly bit. All bits of that, I was terrible. But I got better. You can also improve. But then what happened on the podcast, get a phone call from a guy out of the blue. We heard you did this great uh, podcast with this guy in Finland, Topi Jokalanta, uh, treasurer at the time for Rettig. Uh, great guy, uh, good friend of the business, known him for many years, interviewed him, gave great value, and the podcast went live. And then we got approached by this uh, company and the Nordics. They run the conferences up there. We said, we heard your podcast. Would you come and speak at our conference? It's like, oh, yeah. We'll pay for you to come and speak at our conference. Hello. Yes, I'm on the plate. And then he, they actually said, oh, actually, someone has dropped out of our Swedish conference the week before. Would you come and speak at that as well? And we'll pay for you. Or come, you know. And I was like, yes. So it made me an international speaker because I'd had a chat with a mate of mine on my podcast and we gave value and then it came back. And now also now, again, if you're looking to recruit in the Nordics, my colleague Katie has recruited a number of roles in the Nordic region. She's recently recruited in Sweden. She's doing some stuff in Norway. She's doing stuff in Finland, actually Finland, two or three roles because we cover that region. I didn't do that. For that reason, I did it because Toppy's a mate of mine and he gives me amazing Finnish vodka. We do love him for that. I can't remember the name of the brand, but it's amazing and it's very lovely vodka. Uh, but I did it because, you know, I wanted to bring his story to life. He's now become a CFO. He's got, he's a great guy to know. If you can't remember the name of the vodka you drank, it probably means it was a very good vodka. So makes makes sense, mate. It's, it's the Finland, it's the Finnish brand. He just... He, he, it's really weird. You know, he'd, he'd been on my podcast. He'd given me so much that he shows up at this conference and he brings me out his bottle of the local vodka from there. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I drank it with my wife and I a while ago. And, and from what I remember, it's very nice. It's very good. I love this. I love this compounding effect on the podcast. It's, it's really insane. Like you get somebody on the show, you do it consistently enough for a long period enough. And then you get this in-person opportunity and you can use the, the, the example you gave earlier is so good. Like you give the episode that you've recorded with a group treasurer to a candidate and say, hey, look, let's just, let's just have a one-to-one -one conversation with your potential future employer. And it's just out there. It's so powerful. It sets them apart inside the actual interview as well, right? That they, they'll have insights on, I know your treasurer cares about this, this, this. 100%. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's so good and so smart. I'm sure that's applicable to any industry, actually. When you just get out there 
you will both speak to your guests, but also to your audience. And there is a, a connection that is made between the two. So good. Well, you have, uh, so I know we've talked about Hisham Azuz. Uh, he does a recruitment to recruitment podcast that he, he does that. And I've known Hisham for a number of years. I know that some of the, you know, he does, gives great value each and every week with his podcast. Um, and one of the things I would say with his is about recruiting. He's doing what I thought I wouldn't do. He loves talking to recruiters each and every week. I love meeting them for a beer and everything else, but I love talking to treasurers too much. I, you know, that's what I do. Now, the thing is, I know that a lot of his guests on his podcast now use the podcast he's done to recruit their staff because they can actually go out to people and they say, well, you should join this recruitment company. This is the ethos of the CEO or well, the MD or something like that. And people then, you know that you've got shared values and you can actually demonstrate it because recruitment over the years has got a very bad reputation as being very short-termist and stuff. By doing the podcast, you can actually show what your ethos as a brand is as much as anything. It's not just branding. It's actually you get to know or get to understand people. And, you know, there's a flip side as well that, you know, I'm sure that there have been podcasts where people hear about the ethos of a company, maybe through the treasurer or things like that. Think, do you know what? That's not a company I want to be part of. I want to join a smaller company or actually, no, I want to join a much larger corporate. That's fine. That's just as equally valuable. You know, I talked about it the other day in Chicago that in one of my Chicago speeches when I was on stage and I was talking about people moving jobs and they were saying about, should people move? you know, for the next salary, I was like, no, if you're just moving with salary, you're going to be disappointed very quickly. You know, people go, we do our salary survey, you know, it's poor salary is one of the factors people leave, but it's not the main thing. It's about their team. It's about their boss. It's about everything else. Now, how did, how does that relate to the podcast? Well, because then you can actually hear from those bosses and see if you want to be part of their team. If you want to join them, if there's a shared ethos there, that's what the podcast can give you. It actually gives you scratches under the surface of that place. That's absolutely awesome. Hisham, if you want to come on the show, YouTube Podcast Stories, um, now that uh, your name has been mentioned, all are welcome. You have to. Hisham, you have to be on the show. These are great guys. Now it has been said. Now it has been said. How do you manage time, Mike? That's, that's something we hear often from uh, people who are thinking about starting a podcast, but maybe not. Oh, but that's a heavy investment. How do you see time, both in terms of uh, setting up everything, recording with somebody, post-production and so on. What do you, as the host and the head of your company, end up doing? And maybe to finalize this question, what's the return on investment on your time that you've put into this podcast? Well, if you if you would like to share how much you've made off of your podcast, I'm sure our listeners would be interested, Mike. So with each of my guests, uh, my guests are treasurers. They are generally not media savvy, a lot of them. So they need some help and some coaching. We might pre-brief for them. We send out some example questions. We get their heads in. But most of them, I will have a you know, 20-minute, half-an-hour conversation with them before we even get them on the podcast itself. Now, what I would say to people who do that is that uh, they say, oh, I don't do that. I haven't got time for that. Well, then you haven't got time to be a guest. So don't do a podcast. Do one. Go away. Because it's your commitment to them. Now, whenever I'm doing that, yeah, I feel like you know, I've done it 300 times. But I have often the same things. You know, it's a conversation about you, not your company. Uh, I also reassure the guest as well. This is part of it that we record them. They're pre-recorded podcasts. They're not live. Our guys get sometimes quite nervous about it. They say, well, what if my company doesn't... Bring? We can take it out in the post-edit. And that's one of the things. I explain to them the process then they're relaxed when they come on the show. I then kick off the show. We talk about their careers. We then talk about some of the current issues. We don't necessarily talk about their company so much. It's more about them and their life stories. Those are the key things. So that's the value that a lot of our guys get from it. And we then give takeaways. And they're paying it forward themselves to give to other people. What are the pieces of advice? Finish every week for 300 weeks with what are your the takeaways you give to someone else, advice you give to your younger self. You know, we tell people, and that's where they really enjoy doing that as well. Post-production, that's where a lot of the work happens. 
what we do with ours, we give it to, we, we have our own sound editor, Sam. Big shout out to Sam. He started with us when he was at university doing a sound and film degree, and he's still our podcast editor now four and a half years later. Now, I remember those first six months when I was doing some of the editing. It was that nightmare. And that, those do like post production and the stuff that you guys do, I, yeah, you couldn't pay me enough now. I just, I just, the ums, the errs, the making the sound, the sound edits, the, then the, the other features, you know, the YouTube shorts and things. I couldn't do that anymore. Um, I'm so glad. I, we've now also passed that on to the amazing Carly who works with me. She's very, very good at it. She puts a lot of our stuff, uh, main channels for us. We then put it out on LinkedIn. We do some other posts on X or Twitter, as was. Uh, we do some other posting. Uh, but our main main channel for us is LinkedIn. And, you know, we use other tools, ChatGPT. We use Descript, really help us with our post-production. And then the episode will go live. In terms of numbers, I would say over the course of five years, if you like, it's brought in over a million pounds worth of revenue. And how do how do I look at that? Well, be basically because I've I've looked at the numbers. You know, it got me that ma massive client. As I said, you know, when we were retained on those positions, and then I at a later stage recruited the global treasurer, and then over the time I've recruited five or six. That was probably over the course of three years, about three to three hundred fifty thousand pounds worth of revenue. That one client, you know, then we've recruited five or six people for Porsche. You know, you could work out some of the numbers there. So it's over a million pounds worth of revenue. Now, did I get that overnight? No, I certainly did. Did it, has, has the podcast, I've had to invest in it? Yes. That first 12 months was brutal. You know, just thinking, and it, going back to time wise, you know, that's an hour every single week, at least. And it's nine hours. It's two hours. And then it's Carly's time of two hours. Yeah, you need to make that time investment, that commitment, lean into it. But what's more important than that is what I would say as well, uh, quick tip to anyone doing a podcast is batch record if you can, if it's a good thing for your podcast. I have had it in the past where we've tried to get a number of guests on one day sort of thing. My record was doing three podcasts in a day. I was a broken man. I was just completely flaked out because actually having, you know, three interviews in depth with three different people throughout the day, you know, you start eight o'clock with it and then I did a lunchtime one and then I did one with the person in the US. I got to like, I did a six o'clock interview, seven o'clock. I was a broken person because you want to be engaged with your listener. You want to be engaged with your guests rather. You're talking to them and I'm actually really interested that I get to the end of it. really so I, I would say for us, we've only, we now make it maximum one per day. I can't do more than one a day. I just can't commit to that. I don't feel it's fair to my guests. However, what I have done with uh, Carly in the past, we did manage, she did manage to do it where we did a run of 11 over the course of two weeks. So we did a double one of the days. And that then gave us a quarter's worth of yes. So over the course of two weeks, we then got that, and it meant that when I was then going away to conferences and things like that, we already had them on the shelf. And I also think of it, uh, it again, piece of podcast advice, we have it, theoretically three or four shelves. And the bottom shelf is approved podcast ready to go live. And we want to get, I've always said, let's have four. Have four at least approved, ready to go with all the visuals done and everything else. So that's what Carly aims for. In fact, she's got a little bit more than that at the moment. And then the next one is at the approval stage. Because she did have it at one stage, we had like six waiting approval, only one on the bottom shelf. It's like, come on, chase, chase, chase. And then we have three or four uh, pre-booked. So I've got interviews actually now, we're recording this in November, um, but I've actually got them now, one every week, uh, booked for the next for the next two months. So I know that we've got that coming down the line sort of thing. So it means that we're ahead of ourselves. And it just means that, you know, our audience is going to get the content they want. No, it makes sense. I think we do a similar organization process as well. We say pre-recording, uh, pre-editing, uh, scheduled, and, and live. 
That's that's the four buckets we always give. And it's that scheduled that we're trying to make the longest list as possible. Usually it's the pre-recording that ends up being the longest. Uh, but then the pre-editing, that, that needs to be empty. That's like, that should never be, nothing should be there more than a day or two days in our, in our workflows internally. And everything should be in that scheduled. How long can we make the scheduled list? Um, and how small can we make the pre-editing list? Because that's, that's in our control uh, as an agency, I guess. Scheduling for us has always been the nightmare. And in actual fact, we, we have now 300 episodes, never missed a week which is, you know, our, one of our claims to fame. We have put up one every single week for 300 weeks. And the incredible thing that's been a lot of hard work, we got to about week four or five, and you guys said, you know, not many of the podcasts last past, you know, three, and then last past 21. And I, I'd heard that stat around that time. And I was thinking, oh, my God, we're going to be that. We're going to miss one week, and then we'll perhaps miss another week. And there was talk about, should we do them every two weeks? I was like, no, we do them every week. This is what people want. They, I listen weekly to my podcast. So yeah, sometimes I've just been away traveling. I will catch up with some of mine. I actually listen to my podcast where I go swimming. Waterproof headphones, listen to them. Because that's the way I listen. I am a listener. You're, you know, for my podcast hosts, I, I, I demand them. I want this from these guys. You know, I listen to your podcast a lot of the time and stuff like that. And, and I'm thinking, right, I want to hear the next one. Hit, want to hear the next one. And and if it's not there, I'll, I'll unfollow the show. That's one of the things. Consistency wins. That's one of the key things. As I say, I got to about week five or six when we first ever did it. We had none on the bottom shelf, none approved. Oh, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and, and luckily, we got them through where we pushed and pushed. Now, we've, you know, it's only taken us five years to be an overnight success. So now we've done it. Um, and we actually keep that going and we have those approved and you know carly recently said to me oh look by the way we've got all these approved but in the schedule we've not really got many luckily again that's one of the other things i would say to anyone listening that or viewing of things is that it gets easier the recording doesn't get easier the editing doesn't get easier now that yes you learn it and, and get better at it what doesn't get easier is the scheduling uh you know itself and actually because people are busy and we're all going to be busy what we do find is actually the pre-intro you know that's not a stage we talked about and that is when i now go to guests when i first went to people uh we were five six weeks and i was leaning very heavily on past relationships as a recruiter got sarah jane hall i'd recruited for her for many years at gsk please be my first guest please please and then i got a number of early guests who i'd known and then there was like they were like a, a treasury what it was like, it's a podcast where we talk to people about your career. Really? People will listen to that. Yes, they do. They really like it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and the thing was, what then happened, it started to get easier. And actually, one of the things I was going to bring up with you guys on this is people have said to me, oh, you've got quite a few US people on the show. And we do. But I would like, if you're in the UK or in Europe and want to be on my podcast, please come on my show. I would love to have you on the show. You can edit it. You can have approval rights. But we get it a lot of the time where it seems there's a reticence. And I think that in the US, a lot of those people are more, maybe it's they're more exposed to media over there. They're more used to it. A lot of treasurers are more, maybe more media savvy. They're more open to the idea. If I approach a US guest, they go, yeah, great. When should we chat? I'm like, what, really? When I go to the UK guests in particular, a lot of them are like, European, not so bad, actually. They've, they've got much better out in Europe. Well done. Um, but a lot of the UK guys are like, um, yeah, oh, really? Why? Why was it? And I'm like, oh, this is just about talking about you and your career. And then, oh, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. Don't, don't, just be open to it. And you're, you're a great guest, and I love talking to UK treasurers because you're just as incredible as the rest of the world, you know, but be open to it. And that's why I know it's a bigger market in the US. That is probably another reason. But it's also, you know, we're not pushing, you know, stuff uphill, really, water uphill. A lot of the time it's just like, yep, yeah, I'll be on it. Really? Okay, great. Awesome. Consistency wins. I think that's going to be one of the quotes of the show, Mike. The, um, I love how that represents that the goal is not to reach a certain number of episodes live. The goal is to keep playing, keep publishing, growing the network, give more people a voice to talk about their expertise in your industry. 
Exactly. And give your audience access to more of the best brands of the industry. And there comes in the business opportunities compounding all along the way. Following up on that, what's the, what's the end goal of your podcast? What's the objective? You've been running it for five years now. Where are you ever going to stop? Is, what's the idea? What's the objective behind it now? So I listened to a podcast with Mark Williams, Mr. LinkedIn. So he does a really great podcast where he gives LinkedIn advice each and every week. His pre-stated goal, uh, and I'll look on my phone now, is he, I think he said he's only going to get to 500. And I love Mark, and I wish he wouldn't. Mark, please keep going. Episodes or guests or audience? 500 episodes, yeah. He's at like 300 and um, just looking over here. I, I just love listening to I don't know what I'll do. All I listen to. Oh, all I listen to about LinkedIn. Yeah, well, just, I, yeah, I tell you, I can't listen to you guys all the time, actually. Um, no, it, it's just, he's he's got to 500. We're at 300. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it'll finish. I think the thing is that it's evolving. That's one of the things. It's, it's uh, an evolution or revolution. Uh, that before, that can be a quote of a show. Um, what I mean by that is the podcast has, we talked about the ecosystem. It's provided me the opportunity to go to Luxembourg, to go to Finland, to go to the Nordics, to go across Europe and to then start to now... You know, I've spoken for the past three, four years at the National Treasurer's Conference, the AFB conference in the US. I've just returned from there. We did a session. I did. I had two of my previous podcast guests, Leanne Perkins, Joel Campbell, both previous podcast guests. I put forward a session to them a couple of years ago uh, for Philadelphia, and they said, yeah, we'll have you guys. And then they came back to me after we'd done our session and said, oh, yours was one of the best sessions. I was like, oh, great. And they said, actually, no, it wasn't. Oh, right, thanks. They said, no, no, it was the best session. I'm like, what? They said, we had some of the, or we had the best ratings. We did the live version, and then we did a session virtually for them and had about 400 people about building your LinkedIn brand, about you know building a brand and networking. That then led to us this year going back to AFP in Chicago, and apparently it's quite unusual but we did a panel, the three of us, again, we got the band back together. It was incredible. They were incredible. I was all right. I'm a UK recruiter, kind of everything. But the fact was, uh, we talked about remote working. We talked about how to work, you know, how to be successful in this new hybrid world. Uh, 400 plus people in the room. Incredible. I got invited on stage again. You know, I'm like, wow, this is like, this is where we want to be. I'm the expert in global treasury recruitment and people keep hearing my voice and they know that we know what we're talking about. The podcast is key to that. And then, as I've said, we're taking it on the road next year. We're going to do New York and Chicago. We do a number of other conferences across the US and also do it. We do treasury curriculum live in London. We've got the event coming up here. We're going to repeat it two or three times next year. And then... The nice thing about that, we record the sessions and they become great podcasts in and of themselves. So there you get then two or three people on a podcast. But that's come from that. Where does it go next? Who knows? Wembley? I don't know. There's a few other. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, usually we were going to end the episode by asking what's your advice for people hosting a podcast, but I think you've already given it. I can give you a bit of advice. Talk to these two guys. I think they can help. Uh, they're all right. They're not. But they're not bad. Uh, work in progress. We know where they're getting there. Uh, they've, uh, you know, I've helped them. They've helped you guys. Have helped me, and we're going to continue to do that. So, yeah, my piece of advice is maybe speak to you guys. But if you are thinking of a podcast, start now. So, you know, just yeah, everyone just says just do it now. Lamerton, who I'm part of his one percent club, and they, he was talking about just do it on or off, zero or one. You know, there's you know, it's a binary state. You either do go to the gym or you don't go to the gym. You either do have a podcast or you don't have a podcast. Yeah, you're all right, it might fail or it might not work. Well, give it a go. Why not? I love that. Love that thing for a non-British 
uh, audience members, that was British sarcasm. We are very good. Uh, that <laughs> just, no, just to be, just to translate to maybe some German potential listeners <laughs> or some uh, nor someone from the Nordics. Uh, that was sarcasm. Just to make that clear. It was sarcasm. It was irony. irony. It's like it's an ironic. Just insane. We know that they're very good. That's why you know, we've done stuff with you guys before. I'm very happy to be on this today. Amazing. Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks a lot. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com. Have a great day.